Bao Yu had dozed off. The shadowy form of Jiang Yuhan had come in to tell him of his capture by the Prince of Zhongshun's men, followed shortly after by Golden, who had given him a tearful account of how she had drowned herself. In his half-dreaming, half-awake state, he was having the greatest difficulty in attending to what they were saying, when suddenly he felt someone pushing him and became dimly aware of a sound of weeping in his ear. He gave a start. Fully awake now, he opened his eyes. It was Lin Dai Yu. Suspecting this too to be a dream, he raised his head to look. A pair of eyes, swollen like peaches, met his own, and a face that was glistening with tears. It was Dai Yu alright, no doubt about that. He would have looked longer, but the strain of raising himself was causing such excruciating pain that he fell back again with a groan. Another exciting installation of Rereading the Stone. Uh, this is Kevin Wilson, joined as always by William Jones. Will, uh, how's your day going today? Pretty good, yeah. Uh, pretty excited to get stuck into this one. The, the aftermath of um, Value's near death experience at the hands of his father. Yeah, we were really kind of. Uh, Things got pretty grisly in the last chapter. Uh, so now we're on chapter 34. Uh, in the Hawks translation, the, the header is, a wordless message meets with silent understanding and a groundless imputation leads to undeserved rebukes. Uh, so before we jump into this, um, how about we do a quick recap? What do you think? Yeah. So last time around, we were dealing with the shocking news that the maidservant golden had drowned herself in a well in the garden um and everyone is kind of very shocked by this um our central character Baoyu, he's in a daze from that <clears throat> he's also recently been to see his mother and she blames him for golden drowning herself and so she's delivered some very harsh words to him and so in this daze, in the heat of the summer day he's wandering through the garden and he almost walks headlong into his father who he's very scared of uh, and who gives him a sharp dressing down. <coughs> At that point, a servant from another uh, noble household arrives. Um, this other noble household is the, the crown prince of Zhongshun, who's like a very high imperial figure. Um, and this servant has been sent looking for an actor named uh, Bijou, uh, I think in the Chinese Qiguan, um, who Baoyu is friends with. This actor has basically gone missing, and the master is very concerned for his whereabouts uh, because this actor is very kind of dear to him. Anyway, Bao Yu denies knowing him, but his denials come to naught when the servant 
recognizes the belt that Bao Yu is wearing um, as a gift from Bijou, this actor. So Bao Yu's father is very uh, angry at this embarrassment. Um, and as he's seeing out the servant, um, he sees his other younger son, Jia Huan, come running through the courtyard. Now we know that Jia Huan is quite kind of resentful of his older brother, Bao Yu. Um, and so the father, Jia Zheng, demands to know what Jia Huan, the younger son, is doing uh, running through the courtyard instead of, instead of studying, which is what he expects all of his sons to be doing at all times, apparently. And Jia Huan says that he just saw Golden's body being lifted out of the well and how kind of swollen and disfigured it was. Um, Jia Zheng, who till now had not heard about Golden's death, demands to know what happened. And Jia Huan lies and says that the reason she killed herself was because Bao Yu sexually assaulted her and then beat her very badly. Um, so by this point, Jia Zhang is in a... <clears throat> he's really in a rage. And he decides to beat Bao Yu severely with a cane. Um, and he beats him to such a degree that it's only the intervention of first his mother and then his grandmother that saves him from actually being killed outright. Uh, and so at the end of the chapter, the beating is over. Bao is freed and he's carried to his chambers to, um, we hope, recover. Um, in, this, in this chapter 34, Bao is recovering from the beating and he's visited by a string of well-wishers, uh, including uh, his one cousin, Xue Baochai, his other cousin, Lin Daiyu, and Wang Xifeng, who's, you know, one of the important women of the household. Um, um, at one point in the chapter, his main maidservant, Aroma, is called away to meet with Bao Yu's mother, Lady Wang, um, where they have a discussion, and Aroma impresses Lady Wang with her kind of clear-minded understanding of the situation and, and what Bao Yu really, really needs, what would really be for the best for him. Um, while this is going on, um, Bao Yu wants to send a message to Daiyu to let her know that he's thinking of her, but he can't think of an appropriate message in words, and he has no good gifts to give her, so he sends her a pair of old handkerchiefs, um, and she receives them initially with a, a certain degree of confusion, um, before understanding that there is a kind of uh, sentiment and affection behind the gift and she's so moved by it that she in the moment writes out a couple of poems on these on these handkerchiefs that she's received um, and then finally um, we have a confrontation between Baoyu's other cousin Xue Baochai um, and her mother on the one hand and Xue, Baochai, Xue Baochai's older brother Xue Pan on the other hand and so Bao Chai and her mother both blame Xue Pan for partly being responsible for Bao Yu's beating in the previous chapter. So he, Xue Pan, is also involved with this actor, uh, Bijou, um, and they blame him for uh, in some way stirring up or causing the trouble. Now this is completely um, consonant with Xue Pan's character, um, because we know he's <coughs> a thoroughly bad sort, um, and he's been involved in um, various bad behaviours and indeed outright criminal offences um, but on this one occasion he is in fact innocent of all charges um, 
and so we we leave mm. things there great yeah i mean this has been a really exciting chapter a lot happens um it feels like it would be a nice chapter were you to you know like choose a few representative chapters you could maybe choose this one i think it, it had it really uh speaks to the development of the plot it has some nice image imagery symbolism uh i was particularly moved by the whole the, the exchange between Bao Yu and Dai Yu, um, this kind of symbolic exchange with kind of implied meanings. Um, there's a lot going on that kind of continues themes we've seen before. We've seen before this emphasis on um, sort of the importance of like metacognition, of thinking what other people are thinking and trying to like react uh, to those like, you know, implied thoughts and to them and to sort of the, the, the politics and the uh, like the propriety of uh of mastering this metacognition uh and we see a lot of that here um in particular it seems as if there there is a kind of progress both in terms of bao yu and bao chai uh all, but also in terms of uh, bao yu and dai yu both of the both of these sort of uh exhibit uh kind of a more developed like a uh, social like communication and grace maybe even um, at the same time that we see another kind of the use of metacognition in connection with um, deception. I'm thinking in particular of uh, Aroma's sort of partial deception of Lady Wong uh, and her, her own use of appearances to keep up um, and use of falsity to keep up kind of uh, like appearances and meta appearances. And so it's kind of a, in my mind, it's kind of a related theme. Um, at the same time that we see maybe again this implied critique of sort of traditional familial values uh, and kind of the, the, the use of your loved ones for like, for your own personal ends. It's kind of um, means to an end sort of uh, brute reality of social relations and in particular familial relations. Um, and the, the, the other kind of highlight that I wanted to maybe bring out in our discussion was uh, there's just this, a bit of a, a hint that maybe this is the beginning of the end. Uh, this might be the 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 origins of Dayu's final sickness, in a sense. Um, this so th this like it's kind of a, a multivalence chapter because it seems like they're making progress, but there's also this kind of um, a bit of a, a cloud that emerges toward the end. Um, yeah, and uh, also, did you feel like this was also if this is if we in some way think of the garden as a kind of perhaps like Eden equivalent, that there is a sense that um, they before too long maybe kind of cast out of this, like um, this kind of blissful, they're leaving this blissful state. Um, that That is certainly what uh, Aroma is proposing, is it not? That uh, that Baoyu should be uh, banished from paradise. And, and there's, there's a kind of, a, it's good for the family that, uh, this separation is made uh, and so that's that's kind of this is a really a uh, pivotal moment i think in some regards then again i say that a lot so <laughs> how many pivots can there be <laughs> but this is a real pivot yeah. yeah i promise this is an unwobbling pivot um did you want to talk about the uh the chapter title yes yes um I actually, it occurred to me in preparing for this um, chapter that we haven't spoken that much about the form of the, uh, each chapter has in the original a, uh, 
a very particular form whereby it's basically um, a matching uh, couplet, each line with eight characters. Um, yeah, and matching in terms of form as well. You know, they're, yes, yeah. they're eight characters, but they're, they're parallel. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So they exhibit a pretty high degree of parallelism, right? Uh, and I was thinking like, well, we haven't, we haven't spoken about this. And uh, for this chapter, the, uh, the, the original, um, the header, you know, the, the title is uh, like a little bit tricky. Uh, it seems to have like some potential double meanings. Uh, and so I, I thought it'd be fun to kind of um, spend, spend some time on this while also making note of like, yeah. So basically every single chapter in this novel has this very, it's always gonna be, uh, you know, an eight character line matched with an eight character line. Um, or I think in some cases it's maybe seven, but oh really? Yeah, it's uh, in one or two cases, okay. but but yeah, it's a standard convention yeah. of it's a standard convention of um, of the Chinese novel form exactly. You have these kind of subtitles, um, and they're usually written in exactly in that way, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and, and there might even be some significance in um, the you know the, the number eight or the the use of eight character lines, which we don't we don't see that very often or as often in uh, traditional Chinese poetry, which we see predominantly uh, like a five character and seven character lines. Um, and so I was wondering maybe if there's a kind of a, some kind of cosmological against to eight, where it's a very well-rounded number, it's an auspicious number, and it also kind of um, connotes, I think, according to certain traditional uh, Chinese belief systems, a kind of like a sense of completeness or unity or that kind of thing. Uh, and so, I, I, what do you think about that? Is that too speculative? So, I'm 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 not sure. I have read some things that possibly in the original text, the there may have been seven char seven characters in some cases and eight in others, and that this may have been corrected to consistently eight in later versions. Interesting. Or, okay. But, but but I'm not sure to be honest. What, you know, one it, thing that is that is interesting to me is the way that this is. Uh, it reflects a similar practice in English novels of about the same time, or in English language novels of about the same time. So. Um, uh, for example, Thackeray's Vanity Fair, which, in fairness, is probably a hundred-ish years older than this novel, um, okay. has exactly the same feature. So, chapters have titles in a way that we—it's just not very common in um, in English language novels anymore. Uh, but which, yeah, okay, it's like I mean, to, so I mean, in Vanity. Yeah, in Vanity Fair, it's, you know, chapter 24, in which Mr. Osborne takes down the family Bible. Chapter 33, in in which Miss Crawley's relations are very anxious about her. You know, right, it, it sounds right. a bit like the titles of the of the chapters in, in, in Hong Long Monk, but, but perhaps less poetic. Uh, there's less, maybe, art, less art in the way that they're kind of uh, selected. You know, by way of comparison, also... Um, the classic um, Ming Dynasty uh, novel, Journey to the West, Shioji, also has matching couplets, um, but they, they vary in length. So some of them are, are five by five, some of them are seven by seven. Um, there might be eight as well. So like, but in every case they are matching. So um, there is a precedent for this, um, both you know within the Chinese tradition as well as without. So how about we talk about, um, so let's, let's actually talk about the, the chapter title for 34, um, because there, there's some kind, some kind of question uh, 
I think uh, Hawks' rendering uh, is good, but it, it also... Do you think it strays a little from the original meaning? Um, uh, <clears throat> I do think so, but, but I think it would seem almost slightly nonsensical in English. Um, okay, yeah. Um, well, so th- let, me, let me read the Chinese, and then I'll, I'll read the Hawks. And then I also I also threw down kind of my own um, more literal rendering to really like to in English the parallelism that's going on. Um, and so in the original, it's Ching Zhong Ching in Chingan Mei Mei, To Li To Yi To Chen Gugu. Yeah. So that would be. So we can see there's a lot of repetition of the same character. Right. Lines. Um, yeah. And so there, there's a few, yeah, there's a lot of parallel. What's really, the real parallelism is between, um, especially between the Ching Zhong Ching, uh, excuse me, Ching Zhong Ching, yeah. and the uh, To Li To. So like literally it would be like um, Ching within Ching, right? And and To within To. Um, yeah. But uh, so the, the way Hawks has it, uh, he has it as... Um, a wordless message meets with silent understanding. That's the first line. And for the second line, he he has, and a groundless imputation leads to undeserved rebukes. Um, and so I guess the reason he has a wordless message, it's like he's basically, I think this is the correct interpretation. It's like um, the, uh, the Qing, Zhong Qing, would be something like, uh, like literally, it would be like emotions within emotions, but more like in this context, it'd be more like emotions within thought. You know, like yeah. like thought emotions, things you thought, you know, but you didn't you didn't uh, directly express. That's, that's why because it's not a direct form of expression; it's a wordless message, right? He's communicating not with words, but with uh, simply with his handkerchiefs. It's what they're referring to there, I believe, right? Um. And so the silent, un- and so the the silent understanding, uh, Lindayu's understanding the meaning of his giving her his used handkerchiefs, which is you know needless to say, a kind of um, counterintuitive gift, right? Yeah, and and so the the parallel line in turn would be uh, what what Hawks has rendered a a groundless imputation leads to undeserved rebukes. Right, and so what he has as groundless imputation would be the, the would be the solito. Uh, so this is about Shuapan, obviously. Yes, I, I, I yes, um, exactly. And, and like literally, it would be something like a like errors within errors, right? Yeah, exactly. I it, think what they're referring to here is, you know, it's basically, uh, you know, the, the the groundless imputation is the the, the idea that uh, uh, Shuapan deliberately uh you know provoked Baoyu's punishment you know um and then the un- undeserved and that would be that would be kind of the uh like the error within the error or like more more like less literally like basically taking a lie to be true right yeah. so the lie is the one error and then taking a lie to be true is a second kind of the compounded or the meta error in a sense which kind of gets back to this theme of metacognition, right? Yeah, and so this, the last is, uh, yeah, so on the basis of wrong, on the basis of a mis- of an error, like exhorts or here really kind of rebukes 
mm-hmm. an older brother um right being being Xuepan. I thought that the the Tuoli tour was maybe like uh one of the tours could be like a genuine like mistake and one of the tours could be like wrongness or like badness maybe so like I don't know exactly but but yeah I think I think there's that that um being mistaken about mistakes like yeah yeah it's 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 a a, ne- a meta mistake it's uh like a nested mistake a, a mistake inside of a mistake literally but it's like it's this kind of um this metaphor which i thought was kind of interesting um and so you see the parallelism between the uh the the, the ching jong ching and the toli to um and there's also the parallelism between the fourth character the yin uh and the fourth character in the second couple in the second line the e um which which yeah so you, you see that's kind of how this how this game works so I, I haven't asked you yet what are your like what are your general impressions i was just gonna say with this with this like sphinx like riddle in mind shall we crack on with the with the chapter okay yeah yeah sure yeah so it starts off with Bayou having been carried to his chambers right uh no doubt in great pain um yeah mm-hmm and I guess what's funny to me is this, like this initial scene where first he speaks to Aroma and then he speaks to Bao Chai, um, and what he says to them and what each of them say to him um, is highly characteristic of each character, I suppose, like of of each person. Um, mm-hmm. So, so to begin with, Aroma says, "You know, what did you do to upset your father? What you know, what have you been doing <laughs> now? Why are you?" <laughs> Why are you stirring up trouble? Why would he beat you so severely? And I think this is quite typical of her. Um, I remember from a, a much earlier chapter, she threatened to leave his service and leave the family altogether if he didn't kind of reform his ways, if he didn't become like a more serious kind of grown-up. And obviously that's made no impact at all. And here we are. Um, but yeah, she clearly thinks that he's he he really needs to to remedy remedy his ways you know um uh, and when balchai arrives she makes more or less the same sort of um exhortation i suppose or i mean she seems kind of to blame him for having provoked his father um and um and you know says he needs to kind of change his ways right right um yeah both of them really accommodate themselves to power yes yes exactly definitely definitely uh, the the thing that i thought was really characteristic about Yu in these two exchanges is with aroma he asks her to take off his clothes and make sure that he well uh, uh, in the hawks in the hawks it says i wish you take a look down below though and tell me if anything's broken it's hurting so dreadfully down there and so naturally Yu's first concern upon receiving a severe beating is to check if his cock is okay you know <laughs> like to make sure nothing has happened to his genitals basically um and um it seems not basically although his his legs are very severely bruised and 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 damaged um there's been no lasting damage and then comparably when balchai arrives her emotions get the better of her and so she kind of stifles her speech midway through and this display of emotion to Bayou, despite his weakened state, is stimulating, shall we say. Um, and yeah, yeah. So, so once again, you see that same kind of 
incorrigible character shining through. Okay, so that, that's the first indication that uh, like this this punishment actually didn't have any uh, like th this is kind of the uh, like the, the Dostoevsky like yeah, like punishment doesn't work. It only produces um, the hardness of like criminal psychology or something. Um, <laughs> I thought it was interesting that um, it's it's frustrating to me that uh, even you know in private, yeah, like they, they spend so much time uh, like uh, uh, paying lip service to what you know should have been obviously. Uh, no one has let, let's put it this way: no one has convinced me that uh, Bao Yu's hanging out with. Um, this like this this actor is necessarily some kind of like uh, terrible deed, right? And so it, it's 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 disconcerting that um, you know this like this narrative uh, gets as much traction as it does, you know, even in behind closed doors, right? Um, it, it kind of like suddenly, you know, all of like you know like. Bao Yu's uh, companions are revealed to be maybe um, not entirely I in his service, right? Yeah. Um, I expect that they, they're they the sort who just kind of want a, a, a lesser or greater degree of harmony so far as possible. Um, and anything which disturbs that, they, they are opposed to, I suppose. Okay. So, yeah, it's a kind of like uh, de facto kind of conservatism, basically. I think so. Yeah, exactly. It's like a that's their default position is just to want everyone to everything to be basically nice. Um, it was interesting that um, you know before I, I really emphasized the this like th there's a moment where uh, you know Bao Yu uh, you know Aroma starts talking about uh, Xue Pan's uh, potential involvement in this affair. And, and, and Bao Yu tries to kind of preempt her uh, for the sake of Bao Chai's um, feelings. Uh, and Bao Chai kind of senses this. And this is the first kind of instance, in my opinion, of this kind of like, uh, you know, expecting and, you know, anticipating uh, other people's reactions of having kind of a, like a, a nuanced uh, sort of more adult, you could say, like, uh, theory of mind in effect and so the, this seems to be a kind of progress in their um in their relationship because I, I can't think of in, in the past there's been a lot of just awkward kind of moments where you know uh like Bao Yu were, will notice uh, Bao Chai's um, grace or beauty and, and he'll like sort of like zone out you know he'll like lose um like a mind-body connection yeah um and so maybe this is I don't know is this is this like a growth of character? Yeah. Well, well, he definitely in the past has put his foot in it with her yeah, through yeah. through various kind of careless remarks or, or behaviors. Um, and so he maybe yeah, is being more consciously considerate of her feelings. So as soon as Aroma mentions that Shuapan might be involved, he says, you know, old Shua would never do a thing like that. You know, it's, you shouldn't, you shouldn't make wild assertions, basically. You shouldn't, yeah, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, can you know no conjecture is allowed here mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and yeah we do get the sense that this is uh out much more out of politeness than true belief i mean he knows what shuapan is like everyone knows what he's like 
but um, he feels the need to defend his name anyway. Um, but ironically, as we'll see, this turns out to be <laughs> completely correct. <laughs> um, and of course, you know, Bao Chai comes over and she she's really sold on the medicine. She's she's always the one with like the new remedy. Uh, we talk, we've talked about that to death, uh, but I, I, I definitely noticed it again. <laughs> so th- again, like you were saying, everyone is sort of in character uh, in this chapter. Everyone's sort of yeah hitting all the hideouts. So she's brought some kind of powder to be mixed with alcohol to be applied to his wounds, right? And this will help to mm-hmm. disperse the bad blood which has accumulated. Um, so I guess the idea being that when you're very severely bruised, all of that blood is just there, hanging around, and so you want to kind of disperse it so that it doesn't turn bad, I suppose. Um, and, you know, circulation's important. Uh, let's just... <laughs> yeah, I feel like, I do feel like that, you know, we, <laughs> yeah. we, we, we have in this, in previous discussions, maybe been less than complimentary about some aspects of traditional Chinese medicine, but I do want to say that I have had positive experiences with it as well. So, I mean, for example... They got to you! Oh, no. <laughs> I, well, some years ago, I was traveling in western Sichuan province, like kind of on the edge of the Tibetan plateau. And so that was a, above 4,000 meters, uh, so oh, well okay. into kind of altitude sickness territory. And I did get very, very bad, uh, very bad altitude sickness, um, which is, I mean... Oh no, not very bad altitude sickness. That's a lie because that normally involves hospitalization. But you know, I I got it quite intensely. It was like a very very intense head cold, basically. Um, and conventional pills didn't really do much, but I was given some traditional Chinese medicine remedy that was extremely bitter and disgusting to drink, <laughs> which really really helped. It really really helped with the sickness. So huh. I um I don't want to be kind of universally dismissive. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. That's good. That'll that'll. <laughs> that's enough uh um, appease appease them appease them. <laughs> appease appease um and so what else happens after so, so i guess uh bao chai leaves and then we have another uh classic dream sequence so this chapter is everything right you have all your favorite characters you got a nice a very it's a little short this time we don't really get too many of the details um, Bao Yu is dreaming of uh, uh, Zhang Yuhan, or namely uh, Qi Guan, namely Bijou. Uh, what is Bijou? Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he also dreams of Golden. And so these are sort of, um, yeah, you know, two um, like major plot events. Uh, and in, in the latter case, you know. Um, someone whose uh, like ill fate is at least partly uh, a consequence of Bao Yu's own actions. Um, yeah. So his, his dreams are troubled, right? Um, and he awakens suddenly, uh, one might say sort of um, impertinently, is that a... <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. By... He's, he's... None other <laughs> he's being than... shoved. Yeah, he's being... <laughs> by none, none other than uh, Lin Dayu. Uh, yeah. Who uh, uh, wears the uh, the marks of uh, herself having uh, been overcome with emotion uh, and yeah been crying a lot. So uh, when he <laughs> sees her, he actually thinks he's perhaps still in the dream, right? But then after raising himself up onto yeah, you, you know, know, you never know, especially because 
yeah she is a, a dreamlike character and so like if yeah. you kind of are dreamlike people are going to get confused you know and so he lifts himself up onto his uh-huh. elbows and he looks and he sees it really is her and what he says she shouldn't have she shouldn't have come it's still hot outside you know she'll get heat stroke and and that would be you know a real shame and then he goes on to say the beating really wasn't that bad he's just pretending so that his father feels bad about having done it basically um mm-hmm. but it's all a sham right and that's kind of unclear whether that's true or not uh maybe it's it's partly true right it's um yeah part job part gen there's also i guess it's it's worth noting that uh there's kind of the description is of Dayu's uh like her swollen cheeks are like peaches which i think is again a kind of an immortal imagery we have this kind of long tradition of um of, of peach trees with um as being a kind of a fruit of immortals fruit uh for attaining immortality um, and so I wonder whether there, that's kind of part of the, the symbolism there. Maybe that also lends uh, Dayu in this moment her uh, kind of um, otherworldly uh, aura. Yeah, she says this, this one slightly cryptic comment to him, right? Uh, which in the Hawks is, I suppose you'll change now, right? Um, in the Chinese, uh, like... Uh, yeah, like I, I fear you will change. You, you know, something like that. But he puts her mind at rest and says, you know, don't worry, um, I, I will stay the same. Do, do you have a sense of in what sense he would, he would change? You know, in what sense? Um, what, what her fear of change is here? Well, I am immediately struck by the, the contrast because you know, just a moment ago, Aroma and Baochai are like clearly, you know, like palpably like hoping. That he has changed, right? Yeah. Whereas Dayu, uh, you know, who arguably actually cares about what he thinks, um, more so than the other two, um, her, is afraid that he will change. Her, her fears are the opposite, right? She's afraid that you know he's not going to be uh, the person uh, she fell in love with. You know. Yes. That that is sort of the uh, the fear. You yeah. Know, exactly. Change. Exactly. You know? Right. I mean, we um we commented on this before that. She's actually the really one of the only major characters who isn't constantly on his case to be better, you know, to be to apply himself more, to mm-hmm. annoy his father less, all of these kind of things. She is one of the few who actually does just accept who he is as a person, and it's exactly that, right? She's worried that he will, on the back of this severe beating, he'll become a um, a normal member of society. He'll yeah, become, yeah, a normie. Uh, he'll become a normie, exactly. Yeah, he'll no longer be um, like an outsider like her, and she'll be left on her own, like, uh, like some kind of like catcher in the rye. Like you're, you're a phony. Yeah. You become, you sold out. Yeah, man. exactly, exactly. Kind of thing. Um, <laughs> I, so I do just think that that's interesting, you know. But he, uh, as I'm sure we we expected, he assures her that you know. Even of eating like that will not convince him to change. So I'm afraid that his father and Balchai and Aroma and his mother and everyone is, you know, they're all going to be disappointed. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they might have hopes this is a turning point, but they are wrong. <laughs> um, so, yeah, as you say, at this point, she's interrupted or they're interrupted by the arrival of Shifong. You know, and she's embarrassed. Uh, you know, she's like, uh, 
there's tear stained face and maybe she just doesn't want to interact with Shifeng, who's kind of you know high energy yeah <laughs> um <laughs> yeah she is high energy and she's also known for kind of wisecracking you know taking the piss out of people yeah and dayu yeah. i think is worried of being made a you know a figure of fun for crying yes um, mm-hmm. but luckily you have the the, the back courtyard uh exit um I don't have too much to say. Do you have any remarks on Shifang's visit? And then there's a few other people. Um, not all of them are admitted. Bao Yu eventually goes to sleep. Uh, do you have anything, like any kind of insights to draw from that kind of um, transitional moment? Not, not much, to be honest. I just do think, I do think it's funny that, I think no doubt many of them are visiting out of genuine care, but I think a lot of them are visiting because they know that that is socially expected of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's kind of funny how the social expectation of needing to visit probably hampers the um the healing process you know mm-hmm. when you're in that kind of situation yeah it's important to have visitors and to know that people care but mostly what you need to do is sleep and kind of heal as much right. as possible right yeah it's um, again yeah it's again like it's appearances um sort of like messing with reality and so this is the moment where we have a really kind of revealing moment and in my mind somewhat disappointing uh performance uh, by Aroma when she uh, she's called upon by Lady Wong and uh, they kind of uh, have a, a meeting of minds. Yeah. So Lady Wong sends a servant to say, could one of Bao Yu's maidservants please come and visit her? And it seems like originally she had just intended to ask, just intended to ask how he was. And so any of the servants could have come. But Aroma comes in person and what would have been a relatively short visit turns into quite a lengthy discussion of the problem of Bao Yu, you know, how, how mm-hmm. to solve how to solve a problem like Bao Yu. So-called problem Indeed. of Bao Yu. Citation needed problem of Bao <laughs> um, Yeah. And so this is a pretty uh, detailed conversation. Some of this stuff we've seen before, the gist of it is, of course, that, you know, is, or two things. Uh, Aroma apparently thinks, A, that the beating was justified, and B, that Bao Yu should, uh, yeah, should exit paradise, should leave the garden. Uh, he's getting too old to be fraternizing uh, so closely with his um his family and his cousins mm-hmm. and that um, a scandal is bound to emerge either real or imagined right right so they're worried about uh you know saving saving face um keeping up appearances that kind of thing and i mean look i i, I do understand a bit where she's coming from he's the kind mm-hmm. of the main male heir of the family and, and so much hope is kind of placed upon him that if he you know, if some trouble comes to him, then not merely he will be ruined, but all of them maybe. Right. Um, will face difficulty. And and so I I guess it's not our place to you know we don't we're not elites living in the Qing Dynasty. We can only speculate what actually were the uh, like kind of the social pressures and the the like the likelihood of um, social downfall. You, you you hear a lot of stories of like, you know, families falling into um, uh, into disgrace, 
losing favor with the emperor, even sometimes like in extreme circumstances, you know, entire lineages being being wiped out, um, or even like just like surname adjacencies. Uh, there's been a few like cases of like extreme, uh, you know, like extreme prejudice and, and you know extermination to the ninth degree. Uh, of family relation. There's lots, there's a lot of kind of um, crazy stories. Uh, this particular moment in history, it, it, it's hard to tell. Yeah, like what exactly? Uh, we'll see how the story presents it. But in reality, you know, what what is the, um, yeah, like how important is like, yeah, like these kind of issues? I mean, was any of this justified? Was there any room for? you know, like utopian kind of thinking. Well, I think those those kind of stories are perhaps always c culturally significant because it reflects a fear that people have, right? Like, um, yeah, even if exactly. the, even if the yeah. genuine chances are not that high, clearly there's this shared neurosis about it, kind of collective. Right. right. It's kind of like a reverse Horatio Alger. <laughs> like even if it's not like uh even if it's not possible for most people to rise up in social status you know likewise the opposite the, the, the verse is it it's probably not that likely for uh like an extremely powerful family to fall you know into complete disgrace but i'm sure it happens so and that possibility and that fear have a kind of uh uh, like significant kind of yeah kind of mental reality if nothing else so is there anything you want to pull out of um aroma's advice or like discussion with lady wong um you know like it's it's clear based on her performance and her presentation self-presentation that aroma is going to have um considerable influence on lady wong's decisions uh so that's kind of an important plot point to to um to dwell upon if nothing else yeah so she um, aroma is now holding this kind of interesting position where she is originally one of grandmother jazz maids but she was assigned to Baoyu, and then she became his lover and now she is lady wang's secret agent kind of thing almost yeah yeah so she's a, yeah she's um she's engaging in, in a number of um like forms of deception right so she's she's already deceived Bao Yu once uh in claiming yeah. that she was on the verge of uh, returning home which is actually not at all uh, based in reality uh also in this moment she somewhat deceives lady wong by uh she doesn't admit to having heard the rumor of uh of jia huan's uh involvement in uh in, in the whole affair um, and so she's kind of she's not exactly being forthright either with Bao Yu or with Lady Lady Wang. Um, although I, I guess you could say her like she's doing so again, uh, kind of um, in the same way that Bao Chai is always sort of um, using appearances in accordance with propriety. Uh, yeah, she's being she's being politic really. Yes, so she's being yeah. she is doing what's sensible and pragmatic real politic real piety <laughs> real <laughs> pietical <laughs> okay uh, <laughs> yeah something uh, like that something like that uh so as a parting gift or i mean as a not really for aroma but for value lady one gives her these it's almost like a ribino or something you know like 
some kind of concentrate that you can mix with water to make a tasty drink. Um, and this will help him with right, right. remaining properly hydrated, I guess, um, while he's um, while he's recovering. 